Hey guys, we wanted to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our church's podcast. This week's sermon is from our series Alpha and Omega. To learn more information about Sturkey Hills, you can find us at sturkey.church. Oh, and don't forget to hit subscribe to our podcast so that you can always stay up to date with our latest messages. We're so thankful for all that God has been doing in the life of our church and the part that you play in it. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day. You can open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6. We're continuing in our series called Alpha and Omega, a look at Genesis and also Revelation. And uh, today's title, this is going to complete the sermon about the story of Noah, Noah, which is the most significant cataclysmic event that's ever happened to this globe. And if you're one of those people who struggle with the reality that there was once upon a time a global flood, then you really just need to get over that because there was a global flood. And this earth opened up and water gushed from beneath. The cloud, the canopy above bursted open and massive water volumes fell from the sky. And this planet was completely consumed by water. And everything died. Every living creature died with the exception of those who found grace in this big floating zoo called the ark that Noah built. And it is an amazing story, but it's much, much bigger than the story that we often think about or we tell our children. It's much, much bigger. And so this message is called Heaven-Bound Living in a Hell-Bound World. And when we look back at that time, uh, what mankind looked like, the Bible says that the intentions and the thoughts of the hearts were evil continually. In other words, everything was rebellious. Everything rejected God. Everything thought, everyone thought they had their own agenda and or own plan that would be bigger and better than God's. And it is simply not true. God's plan is the only plan that will ever, ever work. And, and so, it, so we have to look back at that. Now, because of that, um, God still extended grace. And, and I, before I go any further, I want you to know no matter where you're at in your life, God is still extending grace to you. It's not too late. The, 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 the door to the ark is still open because you're still here. And so that is good news. So the question is, how do you uh, live heaven-bound in a hell-bound world? Because we live in a hell-bound world, and I'll show you at the end of this message what Jesus would say about the times that we live in. And so how do you live differently in this world? Well, God gave us this beautiful example. His name is Noah. What an amazing guy. The Bible says that he was blameless before God and upright before mankind. In other words, we talked about it last week. It said he walked with God. So cool. He just walked with God. And we talked about before you can ever be right before men, before you will ever be blameless before men, you have to be upright or righteous before God. It's both your relationship with God in the world is both vertical and horizontal. And so Noah got that. He had his arm up. He's walking with God. And meanwhile, he's blameless before his peers. So number one, we said to live heaven-bound in a hell-bound world, you got to walk with God. He's wanting to walk with you. The question is, will you walk with him? Number two, you have to work for God. <clears throat> we talked about the fact that in Genesis, when God created mankind, both man and woman, he created you to work. You're here to work. He made us to work. And I got a confession. This the last week was one of the most difficult weeks of my life. Okay. We moved. Praise Jesus. We sold our house. I got to testify. Okay. When, when, when we used to, when I used to build houses and, and, and money was rolling, 
And I, I tell people, and I kid about it, I went from the money tree to the ministry, okay, and what a sweet move it was. And the church is very good to me, and it's all fine, but it's different. And so we built this big white elephant of a house over in Clinton, okay? And we told God when he sent us over here three and a half years ago, God, if you want us to move to Knoxville, two things. You'll have to give us a place, show us a piece of property, and also you have to sell our house, and we're cool. We'll go because we want to be right here immersed in, in, in this people and you guys. And so... A few years went by, we didn't have anything. We looked, we couldn't find anything, and bam, we found a piece of property. We bought a piece of property, put our house on the market, no sign in the yard or anything, and in January, and if you're in real estate or you've ever hold, uh, sold a house, January is not the month that typically you're going to sell your house. Well, we sold this big old house in January, and we closed on it uh, on uh, two days ago, closed on it. Checks in the bank. Okay, closed on the thing, all right? And, and so, but here's the thing. We had lived there for 12 years, raised two girls in there. I did not realize how much junk you have in 12 years. You seen the hoarder show? Apparently, we are that, okay? So we had to move all that out. We moved and we moved and we moved to the day of closing. I mean, Trey and Missy were our real estate agents. They showed up at the house to get the lockbox. I look like Fred Sanford. I got a tr my truck out in the driveway. It's piled high, hanging off the sides. Okay, they said, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to get out. Okay, now here's, I say all that to say this. God is still on his throne, and he is still good, but we're called to work. We have a job to do. You have a job to do. And, and every day we get up and we work. It's just the, the way it is. Now, Noah was given a blueprint, a mental blueprint for this floating zoo. Okay, he said, I want you to make it 450 feet long, this wide, this tall, this many floors, a, win a window or an opening around the top, a door and a side. That's about all he had. Okay, and Noah did it. And this is so cool. It, it, this passage says, and Noah did all that God said to do. What an amazing testimony about anybody's life. Okay, this person did all that God said to do. I want to tell you, there's hope in that. There's victory when we do what God wants us to do. So we got to walk with God we got to work for God when we're living heaven-bound in a hell-bound world. Number three, we got to witness about God. Witness about God. Let me just go ahead and tell you, if you are a God chaser, a Jesus follower, you have a mandate to share, to witness the good gospel of Jesus. It's mandated. Jesus said, go ye therefore. And what we do is we say, yeah, go ye therefore. We think it's for somebody else. That ye is you. Okay, we're all called to go and share the gospel. Some people, my daughter and son-in-law are in Honduras. We've got a couple that are going to be going to Africa, to Ghana, Africa. We've got people in uh, 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 outside of the Philippines. Uh, we've got people all over the world. We've got a family and friends in Alaska. Because some people God calls to go over there. But listen, right where we are, we are called to be a witness. Now, here's what we do. <clears throat> I'm zip. I ain't saying a word, okay? Why? Why do you not witness? If I came to you and said, why did you not tell somebody about Jesus this week? Why did you not testify about the good God this week? Here, here's what we say. Well, because you don't understand, man, where I hang out. I mean, they're wicked people where I hang out. My family, man, they're ugly, okay? They're full of the devil. The people I work with, full of the devil. The people in my school, I start talking about that. They're going to make fun of me. They don't want to hear it. I don't care, and God doesn't care, and I want to give you an example of somebody who got it right, right here. Noah lived in a world where the Bible says the intentions and the thoughts of mankind were evil continually, and you know what he did? 
He built this big boat for a hundred years. Can you imagine just a second? Can you imagine this for, for, for a minute that God said, no, I want you to build this massive barge in your driveway, okay? I mean, everybody else has got their camel or their donkey tied up over here. He's building a cruise ship, okay? And the friends in the neighborhood, everybody's saying, what are you doing? Are you building, you know, a hotel? What are you building? No, I'm building a boat. No, we're not even on the sea. Yeah, but there's a flood coming. What's a flood? Well, rain is going to fall, and it's going to be water here, and we're going to float. No, it's never rained. What what is rain? We don't know what you're talking about. Trust me when I say God's going to do this thing. Now, here's the thing. Every day he, he testified to the righteousness of God. Every day. For a hundred years in a hellbound world, Noah waved his banner and said, God will give you another chance. You can get on this boat too if you will. You can come with me. He will save you if you will let him. All right? You say, well, how do you know he preached like that? Well, I want to, I want to, to move away from Genesis for, Genesis for just a minute for this point because sometimes to understand what Scripture says, you have to look at the full counsel. You have to look at the whole book to understand what he says in certain parts. It's not reading into it. It's exegeting. It's pulling out what God is saying. So Peter says in 2 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, he says this, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Let me pause. This passage, I'm going to show you in just a second, is talking about the story of Noah and the great flood, okay? And in this, he throws in this thing about angels being cast to hell. Now, you remember last week when we talked about the Anakim, and later we'll find about the Nephilim. We talk about these giants, man, where it says the sons of God and the daughters of man came together and procreated. And you remember I said there's people who think this is, this is lineage of Cain and lineage of Seth, and it may be, but I really believe there's something more significant. I believe that this is where angelic people, angelic beings, the sons of God, sons of God are people who are directly created by God. God. Noah, uh, excuse me, Adam, Eve, sons of God. Um, we are recreated by God when we're saved. We become children or sons of God. Angels are created beings by God. And so what they did is they, they came together with daughters of man, just plain old ordinary neighborhood women. And they created this hybrid version of people that was extremely wicked because it was fallen angels who are cast to this earth, procreated with, with women, and had this new hybrid existence. And because of that, I believe, in Second Peter, he says God didn't spare the angels that he had cast to uh, to, to cast to this earth, but now he casts them down to hell. Then he goes on and he says, well, how do you know that's what it's talking about? Listen to what he says. He did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on the ungodly people, not only the angelic beings, but also the ungodly people who had merged with the, uh, with the uh, fallen angels. Then he says this. This is, this is grace 101. When, when the wheels are falling off, when everything is going to hell in a handbasket, God extends an opportunity for grace and salvation. Always, 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 in the worst case scenario, God holds his hand out and says, I got some grace. I got some righteousness. I got some for- forgiveness and some mercy. Will you take it? Will you take it? Meanwhile, the world spurns it, kicks back at it. They don't want anything to do with it because they don't want somebody telling them how to live their life. 
And that's the world we live in. So listen what it says about Noah. It says, but God preserved Noah. Listen to this description. A preacher of righteousness among the eight. A preacher of righteousness. Here in the middle of this thing, when, when everything is carnal and even and fa- evil and fallen and broken and rebellious and ungodly and upside down and messed up, but Noah, a preacher of righteousness, shows up on the scene. Now, I want you to know, Noah did have a calling on his life. Noah had this big chore to do that's bigger than he knew, but I want you to know today you are the Noah in your neighborhood. You are the Noah in your family. You are the Noah on your job. God has called you to be a preacher of righteousness. You say, I'm not called to preach. Yes, you are. It's called the priesthood of the believer. If you are a Jesus-following God chaser, God has called you to preach, to proclaim the good news of God in your dark world. You can't run from that. You can say, well, I don't agree. I don't like that, Brother Joel. I'm not going to believe you. You don't have to believe me, okay? And you don't have to like me. I'm just telling you what the Scripture says, okay? You can do with it what you want, but God has called you to stand strong. When I was studying this, I just thought about, okay, here's this guy that God gave him a blueprint, a general blueprint for this massive boat. A whole forest now is being cleared to build this boat, that's how much lumber it would take. Okay, and, and, and no doubt everyday people are talking about this lunatic who's building this big wooden box. But Noah, every day, why he's blameless and righteous before God. Every day, they're like, Noah, are you working on that stupid boat again? <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? Every day, somebody coming into his little arena, his little neighborhood to talk about him and make fun of him. He's, yeah, I'm building this boat. I'm building this boat. I'm building this boat. Noah, what are you doing building a boat? Every day his boys would get up and his daughter-in-laws and his wife would get up. They're eating breakfast. What are we doing today, Dad? We're building a boat, okay? Again today? Yeah, again today. Why? Can we not take a break? Nope, because God told us to build a boat. That is a picture of how we're supposed to live our lives as Christians. What are you doing today, Brother Joe? I'm following Jesus. Where's he going? I don't know, but I'm following him. What are you doing today, Joel? I'm following Jesus. Where's he going today? I don't know, but I'm following him. Whatever. He will put a calling in your life. Now, listen to me. You may be here right now, and you say, but yeah, God hadn't spoke to me and given me a blueprint for a big boat to build, and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I got an answer for your question and your concern. Some people even get anxiety about the will of God. God, what am I supposed to do? I don't know what it, I don't know what it is he wants me to do. I read a book once upon a time called uh, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. And in that book, he says this, if you don't don't know what God's will is for your life, look around, see what God's doing, and join him. You see, sometimes God will test you to see if you'll just join in on somebody else's calling before he'll ever explain his calling in your life. Because he's looking for obedience. See, what we do is we say, God, I want to accomplish great things. I want to be a Noah. I want to be a man of God. I want to be a woman of God. I want to do great things for your kingdom. And God says, well, won't you just start by being obedient right where you are? Okay, because if I can't trust you with the little stuff, 
Why would I think I can trust you with some big stuff? Noah had lived 500 years blameless and upright before God and men. Noah had lived 500 years walking with God, the scripture says. Okay, and so now God said, you've proven yourself. I'm going to get you for 100 years to bang nails and to beat, to, to beat out this beautiful ark. See, that's the way it works. It doesn't start big. It starts small and grows into what God has in store for you. Now, listen, I want to tell you this. You may not see it right now, but God's plan, his calling for your life is bigger than you. I was talking with Terry Hayes the other day, and he says, when, he says people talking about building this church, sometimes it gets real crowded in here. We had people leave last week because it's too crowded. You believe that? I wish, yeah, I wish I, this was in the second service, not in here, obviously, okay? But listen to me, if you all weren't coming to the early service, there'd be more people leaving in the second service. Now, obviously, here's, what, here's my response to that. They didn't want to be here very bad if they left because it's too crowded. I mean, I, here's the way, how much I love church. If they ain't a seat for me, I'm going to stand. Okay, I'm like New Testament store. I'm sitting in the window. Okay, I mean, I, I want to be, let me down through the roof. I want to be where God shows up and speaks to our heart. I want to be there. So that doesn't matter. <clears throat> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. God, he, he, you don't know how big it is, but I was talking with Terry. He says, we're going to have to build a building, I think. He says, thing's growing. I said, yeah, I know. It'll be when the time's right. We're ready. He could, man, we, we got to move on faith. We got to do this thing. Terry, he's chomping at the bit. He's ready to go. I got to throw some water on him, cool him off just a little bit. Okay, because here's, and, and you know, you know another truth? We are going to build that building we got a drawing of. We just are. Because God has spoken that into our heart. He's given us a vision for it. When is it going to be? When God says do it, we're going to do it. He has not pulled the trigger yet. I love I loved this expression. God has loaded it in the chamber. He's got it pointed in the right direction, but he has not pulled the trigger and said go. But there's going to be a day coming when he's going to say, hey, church, it's time. Why will he say church? Because he didn't just speak to me. And here's what's going to happen. He will speak to me. You know, there's not going to be an uprising, a coup, where y'all say, hey, we're supposed to build a building, and I didn't get the memo. Okay, doesn't work that way. He will speak to me. He'll speak to you, and one day I'll say, I think it's time to build a church. And, and, and there are going to be heads in here going, because y'all just talked about it that week, because the Spirit of God spoke to your heart, and we'll move. That's what God does, and he does it on his timetable. And this is what he's doing in Noah's life, but he would not do it in Noah's life if he had not committed his life up until that point to God. If he had not surrendered, then God knew he wasn't ready. But Noah was ready, and he told him to do this thing. And so his every day was a witness to God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. We learn a little bit something else about Noah. It says, by faith, Noah, when he was warned about things not yet seen, with reverent regard, he constructed an ark for the deliverance of his family. Through faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Mm, that is so sweet. He became an heir, a recipient, a freely given recipient of righteousness. You see, we don't have any righteousness. The Bible says your righteousness and my righteousness, my rightness, your rightness, my goodness, your goodness is filthy rags. And, and actually, that scripture means menstrual cloth. That's, that's the reference. That's what, our, that's what our good deeds are before a holy, righteous, perfect God. So what happens is God incarnate 
came to flesh, that's what incarnate is, he put on flesh, came to this earth in Jesus, lived a perfect life, and when we get saved, when we say, God, I can't do this, I know my best effort is messed up, so I want you to do what I cannot do, I want you to come into my life and save me from me. I want your sacrifice on a cross to saturate inside and out my life, forgiving my sin. And when he comes into our life, the rightness, the right standing, the righteousness of Jesus comes into our life. So from that moment on, for me, when I was 10 years old, when Jesus came into my life, <clears throat> on my worst day, on my best day, when God saw Joel, he saw Jesus and his righteousness just kind of moving around all over me. I'm, that is such good news. On my worst day, man, he's the righteousness of Jesus is just kind of hiding me. Okay, on my best day, he still has to hide me. That's good news. Because when the devil then comes on your worst day, because he comes around on your worst day, he says, look at you. You say you're a... A God follower, a Jesus chaser. You say that you're born again, you're a Christian. Look at your life. You ain't no different than the rest of them. And he starts beating us down. And you know what we do then? You need to hear this. This is what we do. Ha! You are so right, devil. You are, you are the father of all lies. You just spoke the truth. Look at me. God ought to hate me. God ought to want to judge me and condemn me to hell. But you know what? He doesn't. There is therefore. Now, no condemnation for me. But as for you, devil... Your day's coming. You got hell to pay, okay? Just talk to him what Scripture says, and you will find victory in that because then you can say, thank you, Lord. I really messed that up. I need some more grace. Help me move another day. Help me live closer to you. That's what Noah's life looked like, okay? The righteousness of God was he was a recipient, an heir of that because of his faith in his great God. Now, this is good news for the preacher. You don't have to worry about this. This is just my good news, and I'm going to share what my good news is. <clears throat> it's this. I preach the gospel of Jesus. I, I don't think a week goes by, if it does, shame on me, that I don't take God's message, God's word, and move it to a place where I present the gospel, the good gospel of Jesus, man, that we're lost, uh, hell-bound, full of sin, and God chooses to love us, love, uh, chooses to love us and offers us grace and forgiveness in Jesus, the good gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I got to get to there every week. And, and, and I preach every week hoping everybody gets saved. I, hope, I wish all y'all was lost and you'd get saved today. Okay, I just think that'd be, I don't wish you were lost, but I wish if you were, you'd get saved today. Okay, I, I preached at First Baptist Academy, uh, Spiritual Emphasis Week, and, and I preached my guts out. And I, I, I was hoping all of them get saved, you know, but they, most of them were saved. But later, some more got saved. After the service was over, they said they got some got saved. Great, that's what we do. But listen, there's weeks and months that goes by and, we don't see anybody saved, and it burdens your pastor, and it should burden you because there's a whole world out there of hell-bound lost people, and we should be concerned about them, okay? It, when, when Jesus saves us, we should want other people to be saved. And I'm going to be honest with you. If you don't care if people are lost or saved, you're probably lost. Well, now, that's some hard stuff right there. So I'm sorry, but let me say it again. If you don't care if people are lost or saved, you may be lost yourself. Okay, because we should care. When we realize what God snatched us from and what he delivered us to, we look around and say, oh, no, you're headed the same place I was. <clears throat> I need to help you find what I found. All right? And, and so here's the thing. Here's, what it, here's the message to the preacher. Noah got up every day, built this big boat. And he's telling people, he's a preacher of righteousness. Hey, there's hope. We got a few empty seats on this, on this cruise ship. 
Okay, we got some spots. God's holding it out. You want to join us? You want to join us? The door's still open. He hadn't shut the door. He hadn't closed this thing. It ain't raining yet. You want to join us? You want to join us? He did it for a, over 100 years. Nobody joined his little floating church. Nobody came to God with a repentant heart, not one record of it. In fact, we find out there is the reason there's no record because nobody took heed to his message. Nobody listened. And so I'm sitting there thinking, well, shoot, if Noah did that for over 100 years, I guess Joel can just keep doing what I'm doing, let God worry about it, and that is it. God does not hold me or you responsible for saving anyone because you couldn't save you and you can't save somebody else. All God holds you accountable for and me accountable for is telling people how they can be saved. And God does all the saving. And when I learn that, when I remind myself of that, pressure's off. All I'm called to do is live a righteous life for God, sharing my testimony, telling people how they can know God through Jesus Christ, and let God handle the results. So when you say, well, the peer pressure is too great for me, or this, that, or the other, listen, you have nothing. You got nothing. Nothing compares to the life of Noah in the world that he lived in. And so we wait, we walk with God, we work for God, and we witness about God. Number four, now we wait on God. This is my strong suit. I love waiting. That's a lie. Right here, I hate waiting. I have zero patience. Kendra would amen that twice. I hate waiting. If I go to a restaurant, I go, why do I go to a restaurant? Because I'm hungry. If I'm going to wait, I, you know, I'm going somewhere else, okay? I don't want to go wait. I want to go eat, you know? Kendra says, you want to go get something to eat? I say, yes. She doesn't say, you want to go wait? I would say, no, okay? I don't, I don't wait good. I'm impatient, and it tears me up. And in my ministry, I'm impatient. And I don't like waiting, but we've got to wait on God. Listen to what it says in Genesis 7. So now for 100 years, he's been working and waiting. Genesis 7, verse 12, and the rain fell on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and Noah still waiting. On the very day Noah entered the ark, accompanied by his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, along with his wife and his son's three wives, they entered along with every living creature after its kind. Every animal after its kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, everything with wings and pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life, they came into the ark to Noah. And those that entered were male and female, just as God commanded him. Then the Lord shut him in. So he's waiting, and now the door closes. God closed the door, lights out on everything outside the boat. He closes the door. Now Noah's waiting. And you know, I know he's got fan. I know his wife is asking him some questions because wives ask some questions. Men, can I hear amen? Thank you. They ask some questions. I know she's saying, Noah, how long are we going to be in this boat? I don't know. I hope it's not 100 more years. And we don't have enough food to last that long, but God's got this thing. It's going to be okay. And Noah, what, so what are we supposed to do next? I don't know. God's going to tell us it's going to be all right. Okay. Noah, you think, Noah, 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 question, 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 question. And he's like, I know now why God made this boat so big. You on the first floor, on the, on the front, I'm going on the third floor on the back. I got to check some stuff. I'll be back tomorrow. 
okay? You can imagine the questions, okay? And all the while, he don't know. And God doesn't always give us the answers. Seldom does he. God says, this is what I want you to do. Just do it. I get asked all the time, how do I know God's will for my life? How how can I know what it is God wants me to, to do tomorrow? Here it is. This is beautiful, and it's true. Listen to God. Attend church to hear messages from God's word. Pray to hear God speak to your heart. Study God's word to hear his message to you. And simply do what he says to do. Now listen, God is not a God who every day is going to slam you with a whole new list of of things to do. God will tell you what to do and he'll simply say, go do that. And he'll watch you to see if you'll simply do that. And if you'll go do that, you just keep doing that. <clears throat> and you're in God's will because he told you to do that. And until he tells you to do this other thing, you're in God's will. It's not like every day you wake up and say, I hope I'm in God's will. I know. Everybody look right here. I'm the pastor at the church at Sturkey Hills. We're part of Second Baptist Church. I get the honor and the privilege to be over at this campus as opposed to the other campus. I get the honor to be right here. God called me to be right here. I'm in the will of God. Okay, and and this morning when I woke up, I knew what the will of God was for my life, to come over here and preach and be a part of this church and lead this church. I know that, okay? And, 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 And tomorrow when I wake up, unless God tells me something different, my goal, my calling, the will of God in my life is to pastor the church at Sturkey Hills. It is so sweet, okay? Now, now here's where the waiting comes in. We talked about building a building. We talked, okay, I had a conversation. I had a guy call me yesterday. His name's Tommy Evans. Some of you know him. He's in his uh, mid-70s. <clears throat> he said, Joel, I just want to tell you, man, I'm real proud of everything God's doing in your church over there. He said, I went to prayer breakfast, and everybody's talking about what God's doing at Sturkey Hills. He, he just tells me that because he, he loves me. I love him. But he said, I'm just going to tell you. He says, you know what I always say? I said, what's that, Tommy? He says, y'all are going to be bigger than Second Baptist Church. I said, yeah, okay, whatever. That's what you say, Tommy. I don't care. Whatever. It's cool. Okay. Now, in the, in, in the meanwhile, <clears throat> here we are. Okay, a whole bunch of empty seats in here, right? All right? Now, here's the thing. This is what I know about God. When God tells you to do something, you simply be obedient, and he will always honor and bless your obedience without exception. So individual followers of Jesus, God chasers, every one of you, I want you to know this, ask God if you are in his will today. And if he reveals to you, you are, you just stay right there. Keep doing what you're doing because God is going to bless and honor what you're doing. But if he says, no, it's funny you ask, you're not. Then you say, okay, God, help me know your will. And when he tells you, and it doesn't matter how small it may seem, how insignificant it may seem, You just step into that little circle of obedience and watch what God will do. I tell people all the time that God, it's like he shines a light, and when he shines his light in your life, it's the will of God, and it creates a circle. And in that circle, man, you can run and play and have a great time obeying God and experiencing God's presence. Man, you're walking with God. You got your hand in his hand, and he's doing great things. 
And sometimes we get goofy and we run out here all of a sudden and we're outside the light that he's called us to be in. And when we do that, we're exposed. The enemy sees us when we get out, outside that light of obedience. And when we get over here in the dark, man, that's where the enemy hangs out. And the further we get into the dark, man, that's the bigger and the stronger the enemy gets. And when we get over here, man, he will wear you out. You will not win in this dark circle outside the obedience of God. And so when you realize that, man, you just run back over here and light the hole. And there's God. He said, there you are. Now, he was with you all the while. You couldn't feel his presence because you walked and turned your back on him. When you get back to where he wants you to be, there is nothing sweeter than being in the circle of God's will, being found obedient, okay? Nothing sweeter. Nothing sweeter. So in this story, it says the Lord shut him in. Verse 7, the flood engulfed the earth for 40 days. I want to shoot down now to 24 of chapter 7. It says the waters prevailed over the earth for 150 days. Chapter 8, God, I love this. Chapter 8, verse 1, listen to what it says. But God remembered Noah. That's a funny phrase right there. It's not like God's on his throne talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Oh, shoot, we forgot about Noah. You know, it's like, oh, remember. You know, it wasn't like that. He remembered that Noah was doing what he was called to do. He, he was aware of the obedience of Noah. And it says, and all the wild animals, domestic animals that were with him in the ark, they were obedient. Yeah, I want you to understand. You, there, sometimes there's an advertisement for insurance or there was a Noah movie a while back and it shows Noah like dragging animals in. No, he says, Noah, you and your family get on in the boat. I'm sending your animals. And here came the animals, you know. One, a two by two, male and female coming in there, right? And when they're coming, you know Noah's saying, yeah, look at this. This is confirmation. I told you. I told you he was going to do this. You know, you know that God starts sending you confirmation of his will. He does things, and you look up, and you're like, that's amazing. That, he's showing me. He's, he's reminding me that he's got this. Okay, so he says he remembered them, and and he says God caused a wind to blow over the earth, and the waters receded, and the fountains of the deep, and the floodgates of the heaven were closed, and the rain stopped falling from the sky, and the waters kept receding steadily from the earth, so they had gone down by the end of the 150 days. And then he goes on and on and on, and he keeps on going, and then verse 10 of chapter 8, He's still waiting, it says, and he waited seven more days, and then he sent out the dove again from the ark. Verse 12, he waited another seven days, and he sent the dove out again, but it did not return to him this time. Verse 13, in Noah's 601st year, that's how old this bird is, all right? So we have no excuses. I'm 55. I hurt a little bit every day. He's 601 still killing it for God. It says, and the first day of the first month, the waters had dried up from the earth and Noah removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. And by the 27th day of the second month, the earth was dry. Now here it is. You think, man, there's a little dry land. I'm getting out of this boat. I've been in here for a year. I'm getting out of this boat. I'm stir crazy. I don't like the people I'm sailing with, you know. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm over this thing. No, 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 no. No. He waits. He waits for God to give him another instruction. So Galatians 6, 9, waiting. How many of you have waited for God to answer your prayer You've, you've, want, you've, you've prayed about something. It just doesn't seem like God has answered your prayer. Anybody ever experienced that? Okay, all of us that are honest. 
If not, we need to start doing it because he'll put us in the waiting pattern. It's like we're on tarmac. That's another place I love to wait, okay? Uh, we got back, we're back to lots of traffic on the tarmac, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be taking off in about six hours, so sit back, enjoy the ride. We'll bring you a ginger ale, okay, or whiskey or whatever your flavor is, okay? And you, you go out there and you sit, okay? And sometimes God puts you in a holding pattern riding around on the tarmac, just miserable, just miserable, all the while simply for one reason, to check your heart. Because while you're sitting on that tarmac, tarmac waiting, that's the time when you just keep faith in God. You just say, God, I still believe you. Yeah, you got me right here on the tarmac in the middle seat next to two men that weigh 450 pounds apiece. You got me right here in this tarmac. I still trust you, God. You got this. You got this. You got this. One day we're going to take off and fly. One day this thing's going to lift off of me. We're going to soar above the clouds. But right now you got me on the tarmac, so I'm hanging on. I'm going to keep doing what you call me to do right here. Oh, God, you got me on the tarmac. I just realized you want me to witness to these two overgrown guys, okay? All right, I got it. So you get back in the game while you wait. Galatians 6, 9 says, so we must not grow weary in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not give up. Just press on and wait, hopefully, for God to do what he said he's going to do. And lastly, we walk, we worship, we witness, we wait. Lastly, this is beautiful. We get the opportunity now to worship God. Because when God says he's going to do something and he comes through, don't you let it fly by. The world is full of prayers that God has answered that have gone unthanked. Full print. God, please give me a job. God, please sell my house. God, please heal my child. God, please, God, please, God, please. God answers, and we He never hears a word of gratitude from us. Okay? He never, we never go to Him and say, God, thank you so much. I just got to come before you and worship you, God, because you heard my prayer. And you shouldn't have, but you chose to love me and you've answered this prayer. And I cannot believe what a good God you are. And I'm right here saying, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking care of this because you are faithful. We don't want to do that. We might throw up a little, uh, yeah, oh, thanks. By the, by the way, thanks for that. No. No, when God moves in our life, it should move us to worship him. Listen what happens in chapter 8. So good. 100 years building the thing. A year floating around in the thing. Hell breaks loose. Just bam. God pours out the great deluge, water from heaven, water from earth, and, and everybody dies but those inside that little boat. Verse 15. Then God spoke to Noah and he said, come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your son's wives with you and bring out with you all the living creatures that are with you. Bring out every living thing, including the birds and the animals and the creeping things that creep on the earth. Let them increase and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Noah went out along with his sons, his wife, his son's wives. Every living creature, every creeping thing, every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out of the ark in their groups. Now, first thing he should do is like build him a place to stay, right? I mean, everything's gone. 
He needs to provide a home for his family, right? He needs to plant a garden because the resources are getting low. He's going to have to eat something. They need to find fresh water. He needs to establish something, start building a little community for their family. But instead, verse 20, Noah built an altar to the Lord, and he then took some of every kind of clean animal and clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. You see... When you realize that the only thing that stands between you and absolute devastation, the only thing that stands between you and a forever torment and a forever death in a place called hell is grace found in Jesus, it should move you to want to worship. But you know what we do? We live in a world where worship becomes secondary or tertiary. It's not primary. We live in a world that says, well, we'll go to church today to worship, okay? And, and don't come to me and say, well, I, I disagree with what you said because I can worship while fishing for bass. Not very good. No, you can't do that very good. That's not what God has called us to do. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, such as is common with some. Even more so as you see the day approaching. The closer we get to Jesus, the more we should want to be with Jesus' people, the church. But we live in a world, and what we do is we train our children that church attendance is good when it's convenient. If there's not something really cool that we need to do, something really big that we need to accomplish, then we'll go to church. If it fits our schedule along with everything else, then we will go to church on that Sunday, okay? Don't be that person. If you understand the grace and the salvation you've been given in Jesus, you should be drawn. I look so forward to coming every Sunday to church. I look so forward to being here. I just do. And, and you may, yeah, but you ain't heard you preach. You wouldn't be so excited. I don't, I don't care. I can't help myself, okay? And one day I'll let you preach. You know, tell, come to me. I'd like to preach, you know, and then we'll pick you apart, okay? But it's I look forward to coming together with you to worship God. Sure, it carries on all week, but this is like a, a, the pinnacle, man. This is the time we come together like God has called us to do. And so Noah did this thing for years. He pressed on. He kept being who God wanted to be. Now, let me close with this. So what's that got to do with us in 2018? Okay, Jesus is coming back. Jesus was coming the first time. It was prophesied for thousands of years, and nobody wanted to believe it. And then one day, this virgin named Mary showed up pregnant, gave birth to this little baby named Jesus who would live a perfect life and reveal that he was full of God and that he was God incarnate, that he was fully man and fully God. And, and then he would lay himself down and die on a cross. But on the third day, he would get up from the grave, rise from the dead, proving he had death, victory over death, hell in the grave. All right. He did it the first time. And then he said, one day I'm coming back. And then you can read First and Second Thessalonians and all through the New Testament, and it tells us Jesus is coming back. And Jesus is coming back. Look at your neighbor and say, he's coming back. And it could be today. And it could. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 37, but as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. 
He said he's coming, but he did not tell us when. If somebody ever tells you they know when, they're a liar because the Bible says no man knoweth the day or the hour, okay? But Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And these days we live in are full of evil, and you don't have to look far to find it. So I want to challenge you, if you're here and you've never given your life to the saving grace of Jesus, you need to do that. You need to respond to God's call in your life. Maybe you've tried everything else and nothing seems to work. Jesus is the answer to the hurting and to the, um, to the vacancy that's in your life. Jesus fills that void, okay? And maybe you're here and you are a Christian, I want to challenge you. Jesus could come back today. Make a difference in somebody's forever destiny. Be a witness to righteousness. Share your testimony. Invite people to church every day, everywhere you go, and let God use you in his saving agenda in his kingdom business. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you. We thank you for your truth found in the life of Noah. What an amazing Man, but God greater than this amazing man is you. Behind this amazing man is an amazing God, far more amazing than any man could ever be, far more amazing than anything we can imagine, that in the worst-case scenario, God, you extend grace and mercy and opportunity and deliverance. And, God, I feel like you're, you're offering that today. The door is open. You haven't closed that door. God, I ask that people would respond, that they would simply come to you and say, God, I'm a sinner, and I know it. I believe that Jesus died to set me free and forgive my sin. I want Jesus to come into my life from this moment on. Let me be your child. Let me be your servant who's willing to surrender fresh every day to, to the greatness of who you are. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. We have a short video of announcements, and we'll be dismissed.